0: you know, it was good sometimes. And sometimes I made a fool of myself, which I think is also really important to do when you're studying abroad. Like just, you're going to do dumb things and you're going to look weird and it's okay. That's really part of it.
1: Hey there, I'm Lily and you're listening to Mindful Admissions, a podcast by Strive to Learn. In this episode, Rachel, Amanda, and I sat down to talk about study abroad, something that I've been interested in for a long time now and I'm still trying to get off the ground for myself. We talked about the different types of study abroad, how students can study abroad, and some of the kind of pros and cons of doing a study abroad experience as a student. This one has a lot of good info in it and a lot of personal stories from Rachel and Amanda, so we're gonna go straight to it. Let's get to Rachel and Amanda. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Amanda. Thank you so much for joining me today to talk about study abroad. Um, Before we get started, um, (laughs) I was wondering if you guys could just introduce yourselves. I know um, people who have listened to the podcast before definitely know your voices and are familiar with you, but for anyone who's listening for the first time, it'd be nice to get a short little introduction. So maybe Rachel, you could go first.
2: Sure. Um, I'm Rachel Heilbrunner. I am one of the college consultants for strive to learn Um, have a uh long professional history of working with teenagers and um happy to be here today to talk about studying abroad.
0: Hi guys, um my name is Amanda. I'm one of the college counselors and tutors at to Um I actually live abroad um as well as having studied abroad, so I am extra excited to talk about this because I feel like it's a topic that's very close to my heart.
1: <laughs> awesome you know what I just realized we're gonna say the word abroad so many times in this podcast it's um there's a word for it I forget what it's called um semantic satiation like you know when you say a word too many times and it means yeah. nothing like, yeah I yeah, feel definitely. that already like I've right. said it enough today that abroad is gonna mean <laughs> nothing in like five minutes that's okay. it would be
0: really really funny to like um try to come up with a different way to say abroad every time you want to <laughs> <laughs> Living
2: overseas, living across yeah. the world, right? <laughs> right,
1: yeah. I've said across the pond a couple of times, meaning just like in Europe, I guess. Um, yeah,
2: yeah that yeah. applies to Amanda right now. That does, yeah. You're yeah. Across the pond. Mm-hmm. I am.
1: Okay, well, I can't promise that I'm going to come up with really good synonyms, but <laughs> maybe. Um, so. I was just, I mean, maybe just to get this all started, if somebody could tell me what study abroad is, that would be awesome because we don't really know the demographic of people who are listening to this podcast right now. And, you know, there's a possibility that there's either someone really young or someone who's unfamiliar with the concept. Um, So just maybe Amanda, what is study abroad?
0: So study abroad is um, kind of a Um, a broad term, I guess, uh, to add more satiation to this. Nice. Um, It's uh, basically a catch-all term for someone that wants to stay enrolled at their university in their four-year degree, but wants to have an experience um, studying or even maybe working, uh, depending on the program, in another country or another city even. It could be, you know, same country, just different city. Um, and I say it's a, it's a broad term because um, some schools offer uh, their own classes in other countries and other cities. And some schools you have to actually become a student at another university um, to have that experience. And it just depends on your campus. So that's kind of the vague overview.
1: Awesome. So why would someone study abroad? What are, what are some of the benefits in your opinion? Maybe Rachel, what do, you, what do you feel are some of like the best benefits of studying abroad?
2: Oh, wow. Um, I think there's so many benefits of studying abroad. I, um, you know, not to sound cliche, but um, <laughs> really to um, get out of your comfort zone and really kind of be able to explore, expand your horizons. Um, feel kind of a new sense of independence, maybe even, you know, especially if you are going to school, um, university or college close to home, um, and then you have a chance to really branch out and experience something new. Um, You know, I think immersing yourself in a new culture um, is just, uh, has opportunities for so much personal growth and um, can give somebody an opportunity to find new things that they love about the world themselves, a professional career, maybe. um, And just, you know, meeting, meeting new people from new, from other countries and um, seeing how, just seeing how they live, just being, having that experience is a really wonderful thing.
1: That's awesome. So we've been using kind of like nondescript nouns and pronouns to talk about the person who studies abroad, but but who can study abroad? Like when in the arc of a student's education do they typically study abroad?
0: Um, I'm going to jump in here and kind of go off my last comment, which is sort of, it depends. Um, (laughs) A lot of times uh, it's juniors, you know, you've kind of gone a couple years into your degree and maybe you are Planning to do something your senior year back on campus. So, you want to spend some time as a junior um, studying abroad. However, that is only in general because some schools offer it sophomore year all the way to senior year. um, And I think it depends a lot on what your peers are doing as well. I don't want to say, you know, do everything your friends are doing, but um, a lot of times, you know, you might want to go abroad with someone that you know. So, you might want to schedule it around that as well as something that you're interested in. I know I personally went abroad at my last quarter at university, uh, cause I was actually done with all of my credits and I had an extra quarter. So I thought, why not? Um, and so I guess what I'm trying to say is there's no wrong time, just the right time that works for you in your college career.
1: Awesome. Um, and you mentioned kind of like, maybe that what your friends do, what your peers do has an effect on you, but maybe it shouldn't be the entire kind of deciding Factor, we talk about good fit a lot um, in college counseling at Strive. And this seems like a similar situation. Like you wanna find the good fit study abroad arrangement for yourself. Um, and so I was wondering if you guys could tell me what kinds of students you think typically thrive when studying abroad? Like what qualities in a student make them um, a good fit for study abroad?
0: Well, I think we can both answer this because I think it's such a um, an open-ended question. Um, because there's so many things, you know, uh, in the way that the world is massive and has so many different um, opportunities. um, Every type of student could thrive abroad. Um, However, where you decide to go, I think matters. So, um, for example, if you're really, if you love the city, if you absolutely love cities, um, and you accidentally end up studying abroad in the middle of Um, like Alaska. That might not be your favorite thing. Don't study abroad there just because your best friend's going, or honestly, even just because there is a program that relates exactly to your degree that's going on there. You kind of want to uh, look inside yourself and think, what do I want to get out of this experience? Um, Some people find going um, really far away from home exciting. Uh, So that kind of student should go um as far away from home as they can if that's something that they want to do um, and some people find it to be uh, overwhelming to be in a, a country where they don't speak the language so maybe um uh you know find an english speaking country or or go somewhere where they have an english program um but at the end of the day there is no one size fits all with the right kind of student and i think anybody that wants to that is open to learning a new perspective in a new place for a short amount of time would thrive for sure. And you just have to know that it's going to be pretty intense for a short amount of time. And then you get to go home with a new experience. And just as long as you're open to that, no matter where you go, even if it was, you know, LA to New York, it's the same thing. It's a new city. You're going to have a different experience. So.
2: Yeah, I would agree with a lot of what Amanda said. And um, I think that there are a lot of students also who tend to hold back this opportunity because they think they're going to miss out on something on their current campus, um, or something that's going on with their group of friends, um, and I would, you know, anybody I think who is kind of just toying with this idea and um, has thought about it at some point in their lives, like this could be an exciting opportunity, you know, should should look into that and pursue it, and um, and you know, and it's also it's also to to like stretch yourself, so. I, I do agree with what Amanda said about like, if you're a city person, you might not want to go to the middle of Alaska. But on the other hand, maybe if like the middle of Alaska is something that, you know, or the middle of China or something, Mongolia, like really it sparks your interest for whatever reason, you know, and you have the means to do it and the opportunity then give it a shot. Like there, I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that, but maybe just kind of it's all about managing your expectations too, right? Like, um, you, you never really know what's going to happen. Um, and I'm sure we'll get more into our personal experiences later, but, um, my study abroad year was totally different than what I ever imagined it would be. And, um, turned out to be like probably one of the best years of my life still. So, and you know, Rachel, that's actually really,
0: uh, really good point. What you said, um, about, you know, if you're a city person and you find yourself in the middle of Alaska or whatever, um, that, that could actually be a good experience, um, for so many other reasons, um, that you don't maybe know going into it. So I agree with that, you know, stretching yourself is what this is all about. And even if you are a city person and you end up in another city, you're going to stretch yourself anyway. Um, so don't expect to ever feel, um, comfortable, I guess. (laughs) You know, it's not like um unsafe or anything. They they, you know, most of these programs they they set it up for you. So you still have a certain level of care and all that. But um it's going to be a little uncomfortable, a little awkward. And um just like what you said, Rachel, um, you know, I studied abroad in London, an English speaking country, a city, uh, and it was very uncomfortable. It still is. I mean I still live there. So it's you know in many ways very uncomfortable, even though there was nothing um, that on the outset would make it seem that way, you know? Um, so yeah, good point. Yeah.
2: I also want to just mention that um, there are a lot of programs uh, for freshmen to go abroad. And, um, you know, when I thought about that as an option, I was like, I don't, for me personally, like, I wouldn't want to start my college career that way, but I do know people who did that. And, you know, I do, there's something also to be said about like, when you come back second semester, like what has happened with your classmates during that year and did you feel like you're missing out you have like culture shock you know you have to kind of re uh get into the groove of of living in the united states again um so you know i think there's there's advantages and disadvantages to every every age my favorite is the
0: memes about um people studying abroad and when they get back they're like well in Edinburgh Uh, they don't even (laughs) leave the house till 10 o'clock and in Italy we have pasta at two and I love it because that's actually how you feel when you get back (laughs) you just want to talk about it all the time Um, because it is so different and it you get back to the U.S. you know or wherever you're you're stationed right now you get back home and um, you kind of feel like everything's the same but you're different and it's it is hard to reconcile that but it becomes part of you and that's what's really cool about it
1: that's an excellent point. And I have friends who have studied abroad and I make fun of them for those mannerisms and for the well in Barcelona. It's like, okay, well we get it. You, yeah. But in reality, it's like, it's, it's awesome that you did that. Like it is really cool. We all acknowledge that it's really cool, but like, we're going to make fun of you a little, but it's really cool. Yeah.
2: Yes, If we could, (laughs) if we could integrate that Spanish siesta into our culture, I would have no problem with that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm all about that. Um, I wanted to ask you guys a question that actually came up. This is kind of like for my benefit because I've been looking at study abroad. Um, my college experience isn't, isn't over and I may be able to fit like a semester or a quarter of study abroad in there. Um, and as I was researching, I realized that there's kind of a, there's like two avenues really, or at least for students in the US. There's like college programs, programs that are hosted by your university. And then there are these kind of outside companies that only do like extended trips for students, but they're not related to the university that you go to necessarily. And I was wondering if you could tell me maybe what you think the differences are between those two pathways, if you think there are any. Um, Yeah, and maybe what you would recommend.
0: So just from experience that I've had and and experiences I've heard from other students, um, uh, I participated in a study abroad program that was literally UC Davis taught by a UC Davis professor in London. So um, that was really cool because you kind of got to build a relationship with a professor that you could still see, uh, you know, relatively frequently uh, with other students that had a similar background to you and were kind of, you were all experiencing it together like a little bubble of like UC Davis students, you know, on an island. Um, So that was really cool. The other option though of integrating into a university that already exists is cool in a totally different way because you get to really see what that's like. I had a friend, or I have a friend that um, uh, went to the University of Edinburgh for a year and she integrated straight into campus um, without anybody from our school, nothing familiar. And she um, said that the hardest part about that was the adjustment period um, right when she got there because she didn't know anybody and she was, mm-hmm. you know. From a foreign country, however, it was so cool in ways that my experience wasn't cool. Uh, that she got to meet a whole new set of friends and really experience it for what it truly was. So I don't think either one is better or worse, um, but I do think because she had a whole year to integrate, it was worth. The, the harder landing of not knowing anyone because she spent the whole year making friends, having new experiences. And of course there's other people that are not Scottish and not from the UK that were there. So obviously you make friends with everybody from all over the world. It's not yeah. just the students that go there. So, um, because my program was shorter, uh, it was only 10 weeks. Uh, I was really glad actually to not have to have a harder landing. It was, it was nice to have just like, okay, we're going to have a quick bubble 10 weeks um and go back home and that's a different kind of experience but it is a lot harder to meet actual uh people like local people (laughs) because you end up hanging out with just your your bubble um so if you're interested in making international long-term friends i would probably recommend going for as long as you can you know whether it's a semester or a whole year and um you know kind of crash landing and, and making the most of it that way. It just depends on what you want from the experience.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I mean, so my experience was that I went to University of Wisconsin-Madison. That's um, a big school that offers a ton of different study abroad program options. And so um, the other, I think the other benefit of going through your own university is that um, you get the credits for the classes that you're taking. Um, even though school kind of becomes almost like the background piece (laughs) of what's happening. Like you're there for school, but it's not really always the priority. Um, And, you know, so you don't have to kind of go through the red tape of if you do a different program and then having to transfer credits and things like that. Um, I think that's probably one benefit um, of going through your own school. Um, But yeah, kind of like Amanda was saying, like, Um, I ended up going to, um, Hebrew university in Jerusalem and, um, I went for my entire junior year and we had, um, at the beginning, there were probably like 15 students from my school who were going. And so, um, some of them I knew, some I was friends with, um, some I knew better than others. And we also had like an advisor in Jerusalem who would like bring us into her home. And she was, um, an American woman who kind of like became a grandma figure to us and like would have us over for dinner. And it was, yeah, it was like the best, like a great thing, but like, you know, she wasn't Israeli. It just was like a point of kind of connection and getting a a nice home cooked meal. Um, so, you know, we, I still was able to really branch out and meet a ton of other people. Um, and still a lot of those people, um, because of the school that I went to, they have an international school. And so we were all in the international school. So I, again, I wasn't really meeting a ton of Israelis necessarily. It was meeting other Americans from other schools, um, some Europeans. And, you know, we, we also, it felt like a little bubble, like we called it Rothberg high. <laughs>
0: um,
2: and you know, I think, Um, for the most part, those of us who were there just really loved it and had an amazing experience, but, um, you know, it, it was still hard to kind of get out of that, that bubble a little bit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like you got, um, any kind of language immersion while you were there?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, we were required to take, um, Hebrew classes. And so even before first semester started, um, we had to do something called Ulpan, which is um, six or eight weeks of Hebrew immersion classes. So that's the only thing that you're taking before actually formal school starts. Um, And, you know, but the hardest thing is like you get in a, in a cab or something and in in Israel, and then you try to use your Hebrew knowledge and language and you kind of stumble. And then the driver decides that he wants to try to practice his English. And so, you know, it's, uh, (laughs) it's, it's kind of, uh, all relative in terms of, in terms of that immersion, but there was definitely a requirement to, to take those classes.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I admire that, um, commitment. My, my sister takes Hebrew classes occasionally, like she's a Weird language buff, and so she likes randomly taking classes when she can and I think of the languages that she has kind of tried to acquire Hebrew has been the most challenging like it's, it's uh, a little bit of a tangent, but it's tough yeah,
2: yeah, yeah it's a hard language for sure
1: yeah absolutely um awesome. thank you guys so much for telling me a little bit about your personal experience. I love hearing that um and it it really inspires me to kind of actually go after getting a study abroad experience of my own um one of the other things I wanted to talk about in regard to the difference between a, a school program and an outside program is the disparity that I've noticed in cost. Um, it seems to me that there's a greater financial obligation to outside programs, whereas um, at a lot of colleges and universities, you can kind of pay your regular college tuition and just go somewhere else. Um, I, I mean, with other like cost of living and and food and transportation and things like that, um, but. Yeah. I was just wondering if you have any advice for how students can meet the financial obligation for study abroad.
0: I definitely can uh, vouch for how easy it was to, I went to UC Santa Cruz. So this is a little hot take for anybody at a university of California school. Um, if you are a university of California student at any campus, you are allowed, or at least at this time, you are still (laughs) allowed to, um, take one quarter at a different UC, like enrolled in their classes. So that's kind of a fun fact. And also in this case, I I studied at UC Santa Cruz and I took my uh, study abroad quarter through UC Davis. So it not only counted as a UC class, but it was my, also my quarter away from Santa Cruz, but like at Davis. (laughs) So it was study abroad through Davis. And I can vouch for the fact that it was so unbelievably easy. Uh, Because actually, they just took my regular financial aid package, and they were like, "Okay, goodbye, (laughs) see you in London." Um, There was a little bit of confusion with the um, financial aid office not understanding that I was like in Davis, and then they were like, "Wait, what?" Like, so I got a bill from Davis and um, also a bill from Santa Cruz, and then they had to reconcile that. So there was a little bit of confusion there, but it was totally smoothed out. It was absolutely fine. So, I, from my personal experience, so easy. as far as studying abroad at a different institution, maybe, Rachel, you have some input on that.
2: Um, yeah, I, well, just from my own experience, you know, I was an in-state student at Wisconsin. And so um, I do think, and I am going to age myself here, but I went abroad 20 years ago. So <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> hard for me to speak to my own experience. But I'm pretty sure that that, that year was actually way more expensive than my other in-state tuition years of school. Mm-hmm. Um, um, And I, I, I don't know, Lily, I can't fully answer um, <laughs> no, in terms like... of the other, like, I would say that when, if you go abroad through just a different institution, I'm sure that there's scholarships that are out there. Um, I, you know, there's programs that I know of like semester at CE that are like insanely expensive um and I honestly haven't heard of a lot of people uh, getting financial assistance for programs like that again I'm sure that it's out there um but I I feel like the people who I know have gone on semester at sea are, have the means, have had the means to afford that. And
0: and moreover, I think that if the program is through a different university, but it's still kind of organized by your institution, they will definitely help you with the financial aid aspect of it. Um, It wouldn't have been an option if, you know, they didn't have some sort of like information about how you can maybe make that work. Um, Unfortunately, they might also just say you might have to take more loans this year. Um, yeah. which obviously is not ideal. Um, but a lot of times financial aid um, is based on need. And I guess people think you don't need to go abroad, even though I disagree. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, you know, so yeah, so that, that's more of like a case by case basis, though.
2: I think so. Also, um, there is a whole section on the student on the federal student aid okay. website about um, studying abroad and how a lot of students can get federal aid to help pay for studying at international schools. So um, I guess I just don't know like what the range of that looks like, but the possibilities are definitely there. So I think if a student feels like they're deterred by what a potential cost will be um, to really just look into those options.
0: Okay. Also, great. we could um, potentially record something later if we find out some in- interesting information that we could tack yeah. on the end. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
2: And I'm like,
1: sorry, I don't
0: know. No, it's a, that's a really, really great question. Then I wish I had more answers to that. So, and we should include it.
1: All right. Um, speaking of, of money in general, I know a lot of people who have uh, gotten jobs in other countries while they've studied abroad. And I was wondering if either of you worked while you were studying abroad, or if you know anyone who did and how you feel that aspect like goes down how how that works
2: um I personally did not have a job. Um, I did a couple of like fellowships that mm-hmm. were um I think the kind of like time that would be spent maybe in a job outside of school and outside of social time um, that allowed me to kind of break into other things. one was actually like a trip. To Russia to lead Passover services, um
0: wow. and
2: Passover satyrs um for small communities in in the former Soviet Union. And like that was super cool. I mean, I think that I'm coming from a place of being fortunate that I didn't have to work that year. Um, I did work um when I went back home senior year in my fifth year of school too. Um, but, uh, Yay, five
1: I, year college people, yep, High yep. Five.
2: yes. <laughs> and I will say that, like, um, well, I can get to this later, but, um, I, I do think I know a few people who did have jobs and you know, it is, it is a different way to totally immerse yourself in that culture because you're going to be working with locals. You're probably going to have to speak the native language, whatever that is. Um, and so
1: figure out what the local
2: money, a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, so I do think that there's some like interesting, um, benefits to, to getting a job in another country. And also, you know, maybe if you only are going for a semester or 10 weeks, like Amanda did, like, you know, that might not be the way you want to spend your time. So, um, you know, you kind of want to travel around and be able to see other, other parts of the country too, or even other countries while you're, while you're there.
0: So on that topic, so actually, interestingly enough, one of the reasons I chose my study abroad program that I did choose is because there was an internship involved. That was obviously just for the amount of time I was here. So, um, I'll get to that in a minute, but to answer your original question, Lily, about working while you're abroad. Um, this comes down to visa requirements, which mm-hmm. obviously we are not um, qualified to like give you advice <laughs> on, but I will say what is qualified to give you advice on it is every uh, different country's like student visa page. So if you just Google mm-hmm. the country you wanna go, uh, you can find out if they'll let you work or not. If that's something you want to or need to do while you're there, you should pick a country that allows you to work. Mm-hmm. Um, the UK doesn't allow you to, to accept uh, funds or any job as like a, um, under the visa that I came under. So I had to be an intern unpaid. Um, but there are countries that will let you do it. And it like right Ra- Rachel said, it's a really great way to meet people. And, um, just to get experience, I was an intern at a, um, they call them charities here, but it's just a nonprofit. And, um, it was really interesting. I have to say it was humbling, not because, um, of the reasons you might think, but because I didn't realize how different the workplace would be in a different country. And that actually blew my mind. Um, you know, it was good sometimes. And sometimes I made a fool of myself, which I think is also really important to do when you're studying abroad. Like just, you're going to do dumb things and you're going to look weird and it's okay. That's really part of it. Um, and yeah, I don't regret doing that at all. And I think it was my one sort of win, especially because I was in such a bubble with my uh, you know, cohort there of academics, it was really nice to get out into the world and meet real people that lived in this country and they get a kick out of you too. They think that you're so interesting that you're here and, and they want to hear about you and you want to hear about them. So it's a really great cultural exchange mm-hmm. um, for both parties. Well, I say that usually, I mean, I'm sure there were some people that didn't want to talk to me, but, um, <laughs> you know, uh, yes. And I would say, if especially in a country where you're learning the language, what a great way to practice as long as your you know your job is okay with the fact that you might you know not be the best at english but most most countries are really very welcoming to that they're like oh she's trying or he's trying you know they're they're doing their best so
2: yeah on on a similar note um i also just remember that i actually did um i got a volunteer job um in my second semester there and Um, I worked, well, it wasn't really working. I volunteered, I think probably just once a week from what I can remember. Um, the YMCA in Jerusalem has something called the coexistence kindergarten. So it's for Arab Israeli and Israeli children. And, um, I was an education major and unfortunately, um, in my study abroad year, I couldn't actually take any of my education classes. I had been accepted to the school of education, but it was a cohort program through University of Wisconsin. And so it was only something that I could do in Madison. Um, So I kind of had to pivot that year. It did kind of actually, just to go on a different tangent, it kind of set me back a little bit, which is why I had that five year, five and a half year, actually, um, undergrad experience, um, because I chose to go for a year. And then I had to push back my acceptance and Um, they changed the program while I was gone to five semesters instead of four. So, um, but I would do it all over again. Like that was, that was worth it to me um, that making that kind of sacrifice. Um, But I did still want to have some touch point with um, children and students and um, really thought that this coexistence kindergarten was a great way to, to kind of still maintain that connection to working with um, young students, because that was my degree that I was going for was elementary education, and um, and also kind of be um, a little more open to and kind of have this experience with like the, you know, political conflict that exists in Israel, and um, to kind of be a person who was working with, you know, both sides and being able to see how these children interact and how they're taught and how they're actually friends with each other at a young age so um so volunteering i think can also be a really good way to immerse yourself in the and the culture
0: yeah that's that's actually so true and it's um really uh like it's really eye-opening so if you don't have time to do that at home in your normal schedule you might have time to do that studying abroad um but i think it's it best lends itself for when like you said rachel you're there for a year and you got lots of different time to, you know, explore as well as um, be productive because when you're abroad, you really want to take advantage of the ex- exploration portion to <laughs> go travel or just hang out, you know, in the city that you are.
2: Yeah, I guess I also just wanted to mention, and this was, again, 20 years ago and, and just my own experience and things now are so different, yet I think there's probably still a lot of similarities. Like when I tell people that I studied in Israel or you know, make any mention of that. I think, um, there's a lot of like assumptions and I was actually there during a very, um, a year that had a lot of turmoil. The second Intifada started, um, about a month after I arrived there. And so, um, at a time when like technology was still kind of, you know, our parents couldn't really get a hold of us anytime they wanted to. And, um, you know, we did have to just adjust our expectations instead of like, taking buses everywhere that first semester, we decided to take private taxis or, Mm -hmm. you know, we didn't really go out as much downtown because we didn't really know. And so we did, we did have to really like inform ourselves, but we were away from a lot of the actual violence that was happening. It was just kind of the, the unknown of the, the terrorism aspect, I think of things. And so a lot of people did leave that first semester and a lot of people, a lot of schools pulled their programs that they were sponsoring um so like the university of california system i think was saying that they weren't gonna support their students in staying there um you know so a lot of my friends who were part of the uc system did have to make you know choices and and they still were able to get credits for that year but it was just like the ucs were not gonna support them and so you know there's tons there was like you know u.s embassy like like Israel was on like a don't travel list kind of thing. And so a lot of people just assumed like we shouldn't be there and we should be going home and it's safer at home. And, you know, that's safety is kind of a, a relative thing, honestly. And so, but I think for those of us who stayed, um, that that's one of the reasons why the people who I met from that year and became friends with, like, they're still some of the closest people to me. Um, the program, I think, probably ended up having like a third I think we had maybe 200 students who were international students in that school versus like when we started that year there were probably 600 um, something like that so you know it just it became I think a more meaningful experience even though there was a lot of unknowns and the second semester um, you know we were able to kind of live a little bit more like Israelis with that mindset of like life is short, we're gonna hop on this bus, and it's most likely going to be fine. And, you know, sure, we might be taking risks, but you're taking risks anywhere you go. And so, you know, kind of having that experience, I think, um, was in the end, really important um, for a lot of us. And, you know, we were able to say to our friends and family who are in the United States, just watching CNN, you know, concerned about the everyday happening, like, you know, our life is not what you're seeing on TV, so.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and I think more to your point, Rachel, and one of the reasons that I feel like we both wanted to talk about this was, um, I was in London in 2017 when London was being bombed by, or not bombed, I'll, I'll exclusively, but there were bombings and stabbings all over the city in London and in Manchester as well, and several other places in the UK. Um, and terrorism was definitely on the uptick in 2017 when I was here. Um, so much so that the weekend that I went to Manchester was the same weekend that um, the incident at the Ariana Grande concert happened. So I was like walking in the middle of the Manchester Plaza and all these people were going into the concert and uh, I was on the train home that night, like back to London and all the reports were coming out that there had been a bombing in the same arena that I was just passing. So, you know, it was definitely um, a scary time and things like at Borough Market, there was an incident and Borough Market's a really popular place for college students to be and, um, you know, drinking and having fun and eating and whatever. And um, yeah, it could happen to anybody. And I think the difference is the way the media kind of controlled that situation. Most people weren't like, oh, Amanda, you should come home. (laughs) Nobody said that. They were kind of like, oh, be careful. Like we're worried about you, but it wasn't like oh, we're never gonna send our students to London again. Um, So it is interesting the way the media can sort of shift your perspective and your home family's perspective. Granted, we did have Facebook and WhatsApp and all those things. And I was constantly updating my family that I was okay and whatever. So that's a little bit different too. The constant contact thing makes it a little easier. Um, but yeah, very interesting to have the same whole, you know?
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, yeah. And that's not even to say with everything that happened the last couple of years with COVID and all the people who were studying abroad and had to literally hop on the next flight home Mm -hmm. because their countries were about to either shut them down or kick them out.
2: (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah, And, you know, by the time we were leaving um, and going back home in that June, things had kind of started to escalate again on the terrorism front. And so I think toward the end of that year, it just did feel like okay, I think I'm ready to go home now. This Mm -hmm. is starting to feel a little bit more stressful. um, You know, and there's places that we were going, um, like Savaro Pizza, just downtown Jerusalem was bombed later that summer. Um, The following summer, very unfortunately, there was um, a bombing in the school cafeteria where a lot of us used to eat. Um, I knew somebody who lost her life in that bombing. And, you know, that's just like, a terrible, terrible thing that, you know, you never want to happen to anybody. Um, and still, it's like, you, you just have to, you have to like not be afraid necessarily of those experiences and what could happen because things happen here too,
0: you know? Well, yeah, I was going to say, Rachel, like I still live in London, as I said earlier, and honestly, people here frequently ask me, oh my gosh, like, there was this incident happened here. Uh, yeah. is everyone you know okay. And they they're just as scared of what's happening over there as your family might have been of what's happening over here. So it it does, yeah, it does happen. But I think it's a it's a bit of a, a privilege to also be able to go home at the end, should
2: you yeah. want to. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. It's all I think studying abroad is a privilege within itself, right? Yeah, like true, yes. Um, it's really being able to to live and experience that. Um, not yes, everybody gets. Exactly. And so um, I'm very grateful for that. And you know, yeah, I guess it does it kind of does make me think like two weeks ago there were terrible fires in Colorado. Those are only those houses are twenty five miles for me. And I still had friends and people checking in, like, are you close to that? Are you okay? you know, um, which makes a ton of sense. Like if I see that happening in a city or anywhere where I know people, like I'm gonna check in on them too. but um, yeah, that's just that's. Life and there's just kind of things that can happen any day, and it's anywhere. All about
0: what's what's familiar as well? Like, I mean, when California fire, quite like the wildfires happening in California, obviously we all hate them. We're scared of them in so many different ways. But it it's like a familiar, like, oh, this is what we're gonna do. I think I froze. Am I frozen? That-
1: it's okay. You you're you picked up at a full sentence, so it's all right.
0: Okay. Um uh yeah, I think it's a familiar kind of fear where you're like, okay, this is what we do during wildfire season. Okay, like I have this familiar thing that I do. And I think what's scary about when you go abroad and something happens is that you don't have that frame of reference. Like maybe it's something you've never been through before. So that can add a whole other level of like nervousness, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't experience that as well, because the school is there to give you guidance and to sort of help you through that as well. It's not quite like just being totally out there on your own. So yeah. Yeah.
2: I guess that's just another lesson too. And like informing yourself, right. If you're going to go abroad, if you're really going to travel anywhere, like make sure you have good insurance, (laughs) good travel insurance, make sure that you, um, you know, that you are talking to neighbors and people who are around you and learning about your surroundings so that if you do have to, you know, kind of go somewhere else in a quick way, um, or, or whatever it is, just make sure that you're, um, it's part of, I think, independence is really just being able to teach yourself about um, how, you, how you get by in the world, like in any kind of circumstance. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, well, and one of the other things that, that we need to keep in mind when we talk about risk, especially with study abroad, is all of the things that we're saying may make perfect sense to a student who's studying abroad, but not necessarily to their parents.
2: (laughs) Right. Um, So
1: all of these risks, like as a person, like I'm willing to take on any of these individual risks. I'm like, of course, I'm going to study abroad. Of course, I'm going to put myself in these situations and be prepared and and experience that nervousness. But my mom is not going to feel the same way about me going to Israel right now, if I decide if I could do that. So right. and because parents and, and guardians and, and teachers and mentors are such a big part of this experience um, and the people who are going to be the most concerned about a student traveling. It, it adds another difficult kind of dimension to it that it, it's they're just going to be involved and they're just going to feel how they're going to feel about this. Right.
0: And they're yep. just going to have the input as well that they're going to have and there's going to be maybe some compromises made as well. Yeah. And I think that's um, it's
2: good to have input from all of your trusted sources. <laughs> yeah I agree. so yeah yeah I'd say any student who's listening to this and uh your parent is kind of the one obstacle that's that's <laughs> stopping you from going abroad, like reach out to us and and we're happy to chat with parents and or put them in touch with other parents who've gone through this experience um yeah, you know, definitely. I'm sure i I am not a parent, but i um, can definitely. I remember how freaked out my parents were, and how they just pushed through. And I think it was probably a growth experience for them too, just in terms of their parenting journey. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's
0: it's good to um, good to have these conversations with parents and and with their students. I think um, having those uncomfortable conversations, like um, "Mom, I really want to go," and she's like, "No, I don't want you to go." That is a good growth obstacle to overcome in your own relationship um, too. Yeah. So just to be able to have that communication if you haven't done that before.
1: Thank you guys so much for sharing your, your experiences and also your wisdom. I, I'm inspired to work harder to achieve my study abroad goals. And I, I'm sure that everyone listening will be as well. Um, yeah, thank you for a lovely conversation. And I look forward to more. Thanks for listening. As we continue to produce episodes of this podcast, you can follow along on our website, www.strivetolearn.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Stay tuned for future episodes, and don't forget to subscribe. We'd appreciate any support you can give, including likes, downloads, shares, and good reviews. Got something you want to learn about? Ask us questions in the comments, or DM us on Instagram at Tutoring. Get the latest updates on the college admissions world and be the first to receive exclusive offers when you subscribe to our newsletter by visiting our website, www.strivetolearn.com. Thanks for sticking around, and I'll see you next time.